Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 111. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Harry Kalish. Hi, Kip. How's it going? It's going very well. I'm very happy to have you here. How are you? I am doing very well. Happy to be in the Boston area. And I'm also happy that you're around because today, as the title of this episode would suggest, we're going to be talking about some of the issues with grading. And I would say you and I are rather critical of the grading system, not necessarily negative towards it, but we feel it could be conducted in a more effective way and perhaps deserves some critical thought and rethinking, restructuring, so to speak. And I'd love to know as a starting point what this topic means to you, why you wanted to discuss this today. I wanted to discuss it today because I think I do have an unusual relationship to grades. I have an academic accommodation. I take extra time on tests and exams. And so I've always felt that as someone who has a learning disability, grades have had, in general, a negative effect on my learning, my academic career. And I have enjoyed learning not as much as I think I would have if I could have received a more constructive criticism on my work and what I produce in classes. Which is something that I thoroughly relate to. And of course, you're still completing your degree in college and I recently graduated, but I've always had a very similar relationship where I feel that grades are by and large negative. I've been stressed until I get a paper back, and it's comforting if I've done well, but if not, I feel like my stress was in many ways valid. And so on that level, my academic experience has been hampered, I would say, by what grades produce. And I think on one level, it's a very goal-oriented system that says you're learning to achieve this. There's never learning for learning's sake. I feel that it's less common to learn for the sake of self-betterment, and we may imply that that is a byproduct of learning, but I don't think we're fooling anyone when most of us, if not all of us, are in school to get grades, to get into a better school eventually, to perhaps go to a final school, or get into a prestigious job that pays well. And so it's all about the next thing. I think grades in particular, because students are often younger people, take us out of the present, make us feel as though our childhood, our adolescence, our youth is not as valuable as the learning we could be doing, which again is all filtered through the concept of grading. And I do think it makes sense that young people are those who often fill our schools because that's when the mind is at its most flexible and capable of absorbing new information and ideas. But I do think that more than perhaps an adult, the effect that grades can have on a student's self-esteem shouldn't be ignored or overlooked because there are some very palpable consequences. Kids who don't get enough sleep, kids who enter into states of depression or anxiety because they don't think they're good enough, or any number of examples. I remember at my high school, Wellesley High in Wellesley, Massachusetts, which was very competitive and had the benefit of a very good curriculum for a public school. There was one girl in an Algebra 2 class in sophomore year, I believe, who got a C-plus on a test and started crying and was absolutely freaking out and couldn't believe that she had done quote-unquote so poorly, which I say quote-unquote because she ended up getting an A-minus in the class and went to a very prestigious college. But that reaction to me reminded me of why I felt very disillusioned by the school system. And I think one reason I actually didn't try as hard as I could, although perhaps that's a psychological excuse, is because I didn't want to become that. 
and I saw that a lot in high school and to an extent in college, and I felt that those students were less interested in learning and cared so much about what to me amounts to a letter on a piece of paper. And I know that it represents something more, but at the end of the day, it's someone else's opinion on your intellect, your learning, your value as an individual. And I think far more of that has to come from within at the risk of sounding idealistic. But I'd really love to know if you have negative experiences that you can recall, or perhaps if you've witnessed, like I have, students with really extreme either positive or negative reactions to singular grades they've received. Yeah, I can touch on that a bit. I mean, I've heard of some very unfortunate situations that have been the result of grades. I have a friend who lost a friend and, you know, he was living in a nearby suburb. And as a result of accumulated stress, he took his own life because of the grades he had been receiving. And I mean, that's just extremely sad. And it also is a result of this pressure cooker atmosphere in a lot of high schools, similar to Wellesley High and Brookline High School, which I attended. And it really is kind of sad to see a lot of students who are so anxious about grades that, you know, they become very emotional. Or I also have seen students become very emotional over, you know, a B plus, which I consider to be a good grade. And honestly, is most of the grades I have received throughout high school and college. And then I've also felt elation when I get a good grade and also just telling my parents who that's another issue is that my parents sometimes claim that they don't really care what kind of grade I get. And what's more important to them is if I learn the material, that's not always been the case. And so I have felt very happy when I have done well on a particular test and I get to tell my parents I normally am not someone to tell other friends. And Friends of mine who have told me what their grades are, I'm always kind of disappointed because I don't think that's something that I need to know. But I feel like this letter grade that I receive, while it does express knowledge and mastery, potentially, of a subject area, lots of times it is superficial and really doesn't show how much you either prepared for the exam, how extensive your knowledge actually is of the subject. So I find it to be, like I said, a superficial way of showing someone's mastery of a subject. And to me, this idea of superficiality is very key because I do feel the relationship many of us have, and I don't think all of us necessarily, but many of us have with grades to me feels very surface level. And as an example, I would ask anyone to think about those moments after a test where you talk with other people. And I've only ever noticed people saying, what did you get for this answer? Or when you get the test back, what did you get on the test? Or how well did you do? I've never in my entire life heard someone say, what did you learn from this test? Or what are you going to remember? And I know perhaps it's idealistic of me to hope that people might have that reaction. But I do think it says something about the system that it's very internalized in the students' minds that grades are what matter. And not only in the sense of self-esteem as we've described it, but in the idea of competitive identity, that you're only as valuable as your grade in comparison to other people might suggest. And so I, for one, respect you in not wanting to discuss grades with friends. I'm sure there are people out there who differ from you and I and find a sense of personal value in knowing they did better than their friends. But even there, as you were getting at, I don't think it's a mark of intelligence or mastery necessarily. I do think it can be, 
but certain people are stressed out by tests, and so it's not a great indication there. Or I would point to the tremendous subjectivity of a teacher, not necessarily in grading, although I do think that's part of this, but in writing a test. If a history teacher, for example, has a preference for a certain period in history or a certain individual or series of events, and you studied different events that also happened and are equally important in the thread of human history, you might not have enough information going into the test. You might do poorly, but if you studied everything but those events that the teacher perhaps unnecessarily and subjectively prefers, your grade is not going to reflect the fact that you may have known most of that material for the unit. And it's not that I think teachers are writing incredibly biased tests. However, for most units in any subject that you might be taught in school, it's often impossible to include every detail or question on a single exam or test, and so they do have to pick or choose. And even in the event of random choice, where let's say an English teacher picks certain quotations for you to identify, maybe you don't remember some as well as others. You still read the novel, you still took notes, but your memory, which I don't think is necessarily a mark of intelligence, prevents you from recalling that information and therefore your grade is lower. And I think that that leads people to extrapolate and draw very serious and perhaps long-lasting conclusions about themselves that, again, I can't say one way or the other, but I don't think are necessarily reflective of a student and a person's ability. Yes, Kip, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that a lot of responsibility for grades has to be put on teachers. And, you know, I I don't love school. I've never really loved going to school, but I, I do want to be a teacher. And I think that comes from wanting to make the experience of school better for students. And a lot of that has to do with grades. I think it's very difficult for teachers to give feedback to students and not discourage them from whatever they are learning or studying in the class because kids, especially, you know, in younger elementary and middle school level, they're very impressionable and even in high school and grades often kind of dictate what someone thinks that they should go on to study and pursue in a career. So making sure that even if someone receives a bad grade, they still stay motivated is something that should be crucial to a teacher. And I think it also goes beyond grades for teachers. And I think it's important for a teacher to maintain a consistent attitude and behavior towards each student in the class. I know that at times you'll need to cater to certain students and their abilities, whether they have a greater aptitude than other students in the class or if they're struggling in the course. So it's very difficult. And I think teaching certainly doesn't get enough credit as an occupation. The difficulty and amount of time that is necessary to build a class that is successful and has students that are operating on a somewhat level playing field. And if I do become a teacher, I really do want to make it so that the process of learning is an enjoyable one. And I think that grades sometimes diminish from the enjoyment of students. And what I was saying earlier, I definitely felt that I was most of the time more focused on the grade than the subject. I only recently, I think, have developed more of an interest in the subject mostly because I've just found a major and I've found something I am interested in and want to pursue. 
This is not to say that students shouldn't be introduced to a wide variety of subject areas. And I certainly do believe in, you know, a liberal arts education. But I do think it's difficult for students to stay attentive in class when it's a subject that they are struggling in or have trouble engaging in. So once you do find a passion in school, it can be difficult. And oftentimes students are suffering in school. I think it's a more popular sentiment to say that you don't like school as someone who is either in high school, middle school, elementary school, than to say that you enjoy it. I think most of the rhetoric indicates in popular media and stuff that students don't like school. It's definitely a popular sentiment and one that I heard throughout my academic career. And I do think grading is a large part of it. As a hypothetical, imagine being in a relationship with someone where every few weeks they would evaluate your performance as a human being or your intellect, which is a very personal topic. And that's not to say that people shouldn't know how they're doing. I do think it's important for us to get feedback. But I do think, again, pointing to the youth of most students and also to the very personal nature of one's intellectual abilities, the implied judgment that comes with grades to me always feels very heavy and I think leaves students feeling differently about themselves. And relating to the idea of excitement over topics, I have to imagine that there are certain students who may have been excited about physics, let's say, but early on in a physics course or in a different science course, met extreme criticism for their lack of apparent aptitude or struggled to articulate certain concepts, etc., etc., did not do as well as they could have in a course, and drew conclusions, as might their parents or teachers, that it's just not the right place for them. And so they go into the humanities, which I also think are valuable, but imagine how many people may have actually lost touch with a potential passion in the academic world because of grades and because they were deterred or on the opposite side who may have done really well in a particular subject and confused that for genuine enthusiasm and said, well, I do quite well in art history classes. That's what I should major in, which I imagine a lot of people do because at the end of the day, most of us, myself included, are conditioned to, and I think therefore want, that report card to be straight A's in an ideal circumstance. And so I think this system of evaluation, which does make sense on many levels, does fall short in the existential sense, where you only have one life to live, and you may, as I think you're experiencing, Harry, come upon a certain path or passion that leads you to pursue a career. And so in an ideal circumstance, and I know that public school doesn't always have the most funding or support or interest in the political or social spheres, offered more freedom in curricula to their students. And of course, you and I, unfortunately, speak from a very strong bias of having very high-performing and well-funded school systems, which of course is not true of everyone in the world. And I wish that more people could have had the opportunities I have had, and I hope that over time that's the case, because I really did enjoy my high school experience in spite of the emphasis on grading. And I'm also glad that you pointed out the phenomenon that grades are treated as more important than learning, and I do think learning falls by the wayside 
which we've touched upon a little bit, but in college, I do think I rediscovered a love of learning that had been somewhat stifled in high school, as everyone, myself included, was somewhat forced to, by a lot of social standards, worry about grades because of college. And so it wasn't simply a letter or a judgment, but it was a hint into your future and where you might eventually end up in the very near future. And I absolutely loved a number of courses I took in college, many of which inspired podcast episodes. And to me, that's why it makes sense that this show started when I was in college, because I did have a preference for learning over grades. And in the same way that criticism of things that you love can often be difficult, to actually tie what we're discussing to the podcast, I do think the grade-centric culture exists beyond the borders of the school system, where people are very intent on critiquing and rating and evaluating us as individuals, or in this case, host and guest of a podcast, where we might be heavily scrutinized. And it's not that I disagree with a critical approach. Of course, you and I are taking a very critical approach to grading, but an emphasis on goals as opposed to the process. For example, the process of having a conversation about a topic or learning in school about a topic as opposed to a mentality which fixates on what am I left with at the end? What did this podcast or this class do for me? And it's not that I feel that is a bad way of thinking, but potentially unhealthy if leaned upon too frequently. Yeah, one thing I was thinking about in preparation for this episode is how grades are oftentimes only assessing one aspect of your abilities as a student, especially in college. I had a class my freshman year that was an American studies course, and I did poorly on one of the tests. And so as a final grade, I received the lowest grade I've received at Kenyon. And I thought American studies was not for me. It took me a couple of years to finally realize that that was the subject that interests me most. And I had to overcome my doubts about my ability to perform well in American studies when entering the major because of this low grade. And so I was proud of the fact that I still majored in something that I initially struggled in because of my love of the subject. And to go back to what I was saying about grades only assessing one aspect of a student's ability, I think it's important, especially in elementary school and middle school, to assess students on multiple levels, including how hard they are working, their behavior in the class, how they cooperate with other students. I was fortunate enough to be a part of a program last summer in which I was a teaching assistant where the students were not graded and it was an enrichment course. And instead, they were given written reports at the end of the session that stated their abilities in cooperation and behavior in the course. Instead of grades, it was a one to four scale. And the teacher of the course wrote lengthy reports for each student. I was telling my parents that I was envious of these children. I've never received such thorough responses on my progress and performance. And I can picture those who disagree with us, call them critics, saying that you need to evaluate certain practical aspects. Otherwise, these kids aren't going to know what's going on. They're not going to have a clear idea of their capabilities. And perhaps similar to the crowd that disagrees with participation trophies and saying, well, everyone deserves an award. And I do think there's a middle ground where you do have a thorough assessment of, in the case of a child or a young adolescent, 
how they interact with others, but also what their emotional relationship is to the material. And I think a lot of people, again, those who might be critical of this discussion we're having, would say that that's not what's important, that's not practical, that's not going to help them get a job, etc. in the long term. But it might give parents a certain awareness of a child's aptitude, and to the extent that the child is self-aware and mature enough to receive that feedback and process it, they might be able to learn more about themselves in traits they cannot observe accurately because they are biased individuals, as we all are. And I do think that as we grow older, that feedback becomes more important, and yet it seems like we get less and less of it as we ascend the academic ladder. And the feedback, perhaps because of the number of students, is reduced to a single letter or maybe a short progress report of two or three sentences. And I think in many ways that does a disservice to the student who at the end of the day is not just an animal churning out papers or homework. They're a human being who goes home at the end of the day, has a family, has extracurricular activities, and in the case of a college student like yourself, has a career path, has things that they know they need to learn to be better at the job they hope to someday have. And as a final point there, I'm critical of grades to the extent that they remind me a lot of industrial systems. And certainly, if we have factories that produce cars or computers or other mass-produced consumer good, it makes sense that you would have a very systematized way of producing those items. But with people, I do feel that schools often treat us as statistics. And I know that at the end of the day, you could make the argument that yes, we are each a single person and we need to perform to a certain standard in order for schools to get certain funding, etc., etc., But I don't think that has to come at the cost of dehumanizing us altogether. And related back to what you said earlier of teachers attending to certain students' needs, I do think a grade, especially one with little or no feedback, can often imply either I don't as a teacher have time to care about you as a student, there are simply too many students for me to give individual feedback, or maybe I don't have that kind of a relationship with you because aspects of my job, and teaching is admittedly very hard work, don't allow me, again playing a hypothetical teacher, to develop a relationship with my students. And in lieu of that, we have letters or other very minimalistic evaluation systems that, to me, don't convey the complex messages that they otherwise could. You made me think of inflation of grades, and I think that especially at the college level, grade inflation is particularly detrimental to our education because of the lack of variation of grades. Oftentimes in courses, the whole range of grades extends from a B to an A. And I think that students in classes are sometimes performing at an average level, which originally had been considered a C. And I felt that I was receiving a grade much higher than I really deserved. I did not complain about this, but I did feel like there was a slight injustice and that a certain student who is working harder in the course and performing at a higher level should be receiving not just a grade letter higher than me, but multiple grade letters. And also to touch on the subject of grades as stats, as important as the four-point GPA scale is considered, it really is a very subjective measurement based on the grades of just one person. And there's sometimes the scenario that a student receives a bad grade simply because a teacher does not like the student or because of the student having issues that are external to the class. So I don't think 
necessarily the GPA, even though it is considered the most important measurement in the college admissions process, it doesn't have the gravity that we often assign to it. I completely agree. And I do think one of the reasons that we haven't seen reforms of the educational system or specifically of grading, as you and I have critiqued it, whether it is or not, many of us hold the belief that it is an objective system. And I think for a lot of people, that is a comfort. Even in the case of absolute tragedy, the idea that there are certain rules or forces that govern how a system works is in and of itself a comfort. And so if you can say to yourself, well, my child got this grade in this subject, and there's a very clear solution to that because I know what they missed and I know what they can study for in the future, it gives people a more black and white picture of our world. And while I am constantly of the belief that there is far more gray area than most people might openly acknowledge, I can't deny that it is comforting to see more polarity because it's easier to then pick a side or attempt to understand the systems you observe. And so I do think that we cling to grades because they give us this illusion of a very ordered system that has no preferences and all students will be graded on the same scale and the same amount of effort and intellect and ability should produce identical grades between different students or different groups of students. But I don't think that's always the case. And I would even point to the humanities where certain teachers or professors may not grade the same essays in the same way and may have certain preferences in language or general linguistic ability that a student's work may not reflect. And even beyond that, I think a lot of people use grades to compare completely disparate subjects. For example, computer science, relatively speaking, is quite young. And I would imagine there's only about 70, maybe 80 years of knowledge to go along with the relatively young invention of the modern computer, whereas history is literal millennia old. And so there's more knowledge, I would argue, to be contained within history courses and in the mind of a history student, which is not to say I think one or the other is more or less intelligent than their counterpart, but that I don't think it's entirely fair to compare often very different subjects using grades as, like we've said, a supposedly objective metric. And in a sense that grades function as motivation, the metaphorical carrot or rod that either encourages certain behavior or discourages others, they also function as a reward system, even if a delayed one saying, in four years, if you keep getting grades like this, you will attend a prestigious college, which of course will lead to what we imagine is a more prestigious and probably higher paying job. And so under the implications that students should prioritize grades, I do think in a sense we are trained or conditioned by these systems and not in a malevolent brainwashing sense, but in a very clear societal structure to value those outcomes and to value, in a sense, extrinsic rewards. Someone gave me an A, I feel better about myself. I will someday have a salary that I will also probably use as a reflection of my self-worth as a person. And again, going back to the idea of youth, I think a lot of this takes children or adolescents or even people our age in their 20s out of the present moment. And I think that's really unfortunate when youth can also be a time for great self-discovery and more authentic, organic learning that isn't tied to grades. And so it's not that I think school should not be prioritized, but I know people who had fewer friendships, or as we've mentioned earlier, felt greater stress and less happiness because of the priority grades played in their lives. And I think there should be 
a greater balance there, but admittedly, that's not the direction I see the scales tipping. And to the extent that a system of rewards is effectively created, I would also strongly argue that the system in many ways encourages adaptive behavior, which can often include cheating. Because we, as human beings, are incredibly adaptive creatures. And if you limit someone's exposure to certain resources, they will adapt. If you expose someone to new social environments, they will also eventually adapt. And similarly, if you imply to students, or perhaps as a parent, more openly tell them, you need to get good grades, students will do whatever they can to get those good grades. Often cases, I do believe, under what we all consider moral circumstances. And so I'm not going to cheat, but I may limit the amount of sleep that I'm getting. Or I'm not going to cheat, but I may pay very close attention in group conversations and gather what information I can from my friends who are also in this class. But I do think at the end of the day, when students feel everything is on the line because of their grades that may someday determine their future, I can completely understand why students would cheat. And I personally never have, but I don't think that puts me on a moral high ground. I simply think it's a relevant detail in discussing cheating that I really do think is a reflection of a goal-oriented system, that you can't cheat on genuine learning in the same way that you can't cram for a dentist appointment because they will be able to tell if you recently have not been flossing. But in many cases, I do think you can fool a test. You can cram for certain exams or certain scenarios having attended classes very rarely or having rarely paid attention in class. And to the students who can earn impressive grades with very minimal effort, I would ask to what extent they are genuinely learning. And I've deviated a bit from cheating here, but I'd really love to know what you think about cheating as it relates to the grading system. You touched on the aspect of rewards in relation to grades, and I recall friends of mine growing up saying that they needed to get straight A's in order to please their parents or so that their parents would do something for them, go on a trip or some other reward. About cheating, I have cheated in my life. I haven't done it in recent years, partially out of fear because I know the stakes are higher at this level. If you are caught cheating in college, the consequences can be more severe. However, I have felt tempted because I know I do want to maintain a good enough GPA to get a good job, to go abroad. There are multiple reasons that I have considered cheating. And I think partially my aversion to cheating comes from a guilt, a Jewish guilt, that I do feel from doing dishonest work. And to our audience, I know this has been a longer episode, but as a final point, I'm really happy that you mentioned high stakes, because I also think on a human level, when stakes are higher, we take fewer risks. Very understandably so, but I personally believe that risks make life what it is. If you ask out someone who may reject you, if you take a job in a city you've never lived in, etc., the list goes on. But in academia, I'm not suggesting that the risk be cheating, which I don't approve of, but I do appreciate your honesty in discussing it. But rather, I think it could be a worthwhile risk to respectfully disagree with a professor or a colleague, or perhaps to make a claim that you aren't entirely sure about, or to ask a question that may make you appear ignorant. And you aren't always graded for all of these things, but as you said, certain teachers or professors may not like students and may grade them differently. 
And I think even if those examples I posed aren't inherent risks, I do believe that for students fixated on grades, they appear to be distractions. And someone would say, well, I don't have time to disagree with a professor. I will listen to them very carefully and take extensive notes and do well on a test. We don't need to have a discussion about what I think might be possible. And I think that's rather sad, again, going back to the idea that learning seems to have taken a backseat to grades, which to me does suggest that the system has, in certain ways, become backwards. And I do wish, myself included, that people took more risks in academia because it might push certain topics or conversations forward that might actually cause teachers and professors as authority figures to rethink their positions and thinking which ultimately could produce more nuanced and interesting discussions. And I think that's a benefit to everyone involved. I also just wanted to add a final point about bad grades, discouraging some students from continuing learning in either school or just that particular subject. I think schools should actively advocate for resilience and perseverance Because I think those qualities are more important than whether or not you know that Christopher Columbus came over in 1492, often trivial fact that you are being tested on. I also think that we should start thinking about students who are failing as products of the school rather than the student's own ability. I think we should start rephrasing as schools failing students because too often it is the atmosphere that the student is in that takes away from their ability to achieve their potential. And before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to consider after listening to this discussion? I would like the listeners to consider how our society has accepted grading as a metric to assess someone's ability and consider perhaps other forms of assessment that I've mentioned in the episode, such as more lengthy written reports. I would also like the listeners to think about cheating and how it is a reaction to the grades. I would also want them to question whether grades are only measuring one quality of a student's ability and personality rather than a thorough assessment of both their academic abilities and behavior. I agree. And I'd be very curious to hear from teachers, parents, and students. Although, as ever, we would genuinely love to hear what every listener has to say and what you all think about our discussion. But while we didn't get to this particular point, I'd love to know what listeners think about grades as reflections of regurgitation rather than knowledge, because I do think a lot of our educational system, at least in America, is based upon memorization rather than true learning. And I don't know that I can easily make that distinction and say what is or is not truly learned. But I would also like students and potentially former students to talk about the influence they feel grades have had on their self-esteem, their self-worth, potentially the subjects or topics that they have pursued, either professionally or academically. And conversely, we didn't necessarily talk a ton about teachers who give grades, but I would love to know how teachers listening might feel about giving bad grades or good grades. Do you feel a certain sense of guilt in handing out a bad grade because perhaps you fear for the student's reaction, whether the grade was deserved or not? And as two final points, I would love to know the audience's thoughts on 
the grading system as a falsely objective system that is, in fact, as we would argue, in many ways subjective. And in conclusion, you and I, of course, spoke to the more negative aspects, and there's certainly another side to this, and in a future conversation I would gladly discuss it with you, but from the listeners, did you listen to this entire conversation shaking your head and thinking, Harry and I just completely missed something or didn't discuss it, or were you persuaded by our conversation? Do you think that there is more negative, perhaps, than positive within the realm of grading? And of course, Harry, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and discussing this. It was great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, or feedback of any kind, please reach out to us. You can connect with us via Twitter or Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.